I felt like Costa fucked up throwing that white belt at him. I'm ill. I'm ill. All right, so we're back on the dope blog. It's your man Charles Day here. I'm here with my cousin, Tim Owens, and this is actually the inaugural dope blog MMA pod because we ain't done that here. We've covered basketball, we've covered football, we've covered hip hop. And now we got MMA the day after UFC 253 and the reign, the era of Israel Adesanya is upon us. Tim, what is your initial thoughts, emotions, whatever coming out of 253 last night? Well, just to start off, it's kind of everything you're hoping for if you're an Izzy fan, right? He came out there, he looked calm and collected, he didn't look... You know, like, he was worried about this fight. He was in there, all focused, straight from the first round. He felt him out. Paulo didn't come forward at all. It was uh, it was just a clinic put on by Izzy perfectly. And, and exactly like what he said at the uh, post-fight press press conference, he, uh, he wasn't worried. He wasn't worried about it, and um, he knew this was going to happen. He, he, everyone was talking about, oh, the Yoel's fight was boring, this, that. And I agree with him 100%. You know, his haters or anyone that tries to detract from him. They were trying to talk all that shit, but it, it worked out for him. It worked out for him. He put on a clinic. I mean, in that first round, I can't even remember. I got to rewatch it again, but I can't even remember Paulo coming out with anything for him. I mean, he had a couple little leg kicks, but first round, you could tell it was going to be a decisive win in my eyes. In the first round, I remember specifically hearing... They said that Costa had eight strike attempts, not landed strikes, eight attempts. Yeah. So that's a bad round because Costa, to his credit, to, up until last night, looked like a monster, looked like a tank. He'd go forward and he'd beat you up, and he and he wasn't doing that. He was throwing kicks. He was trying to throw Izzy off his game, but at, ended up going right into Izzy's plan because at the time where Costa only had eight attempts, I think Izzy had landed like 20 leg kicks right on Acosta's left knee. It wasn't even like close to comparative strikes. And it was just an ass whooping. I did not expect that. I expected more of a decision win. Um, not because Romero, that, that first title defense was boring, but just because that's how I expected him to go about it. He's the champ. He can win by just landing the right strikes, defending the right takedowns, yada, yada, yada. And now we're looking at him like, Holy shit, this really is the second coming of Spider Silva. Yeah, I, I'm so glad that you said that, because I, I was going to have to say it if, if not, because that's exactly what it looked like. I mean, he just was so composed in there, and it, it was it was unbelie- It was was honestly unbelievable. I didn't expect it at first either, but um, to revisit exactly like uh, what I said, after that first round, you notice what what you were saying. Paul wasn't coming forward. I mean, he normally gets people against the cage, right? He throws bombs and just keeps coming, keep coming forward. It looks like he had a game plan, right? It did look like he had a smart game plan. Don't play that game with Izzy. Get in there, feel him out, see what's going on. But I don't think he was ready for how good of a kickboxer Izzy actually is and wasn't wasn't sure of what to do, especially with those leg kicks coming. They were just, they were throwing him off his game the entire night. And you could just see it. It, it showed up instantly that leg started getting bruised up and Izzy was just picking his shots the whole time it looked like he was just 
working out. <laughs> I think it was the first round where Izzy faked one of the leg kicks after landing so many. And he jumped, and like Costa jumped, and when he, when he repositioned himself, Izzy landed a brutal le- leg kick to that left knee again, and it looked like it started bleeding at that moment, and I and I I cringed. I didn't get hit with that leg kick, but I cringed at that sight, and it was a it's, it was an amazing defense. It was a you know a rain enshrining like defense because he's a middleweight champ pointing to the toughest motherfuckers in the division, saying you're next. And that's just something that we don't see a lot in combat sports, both MMA and boxing. No, yeah, completely. I mean that—that's what made him. That's what made him great in my eyes immediately when he he won that title that title off of Robert Whitaker, right? He takes Robert Whitaker out second round. I mean, same thing. A guy that we thought were, was completely a monster defeated in that first round. Realistically, you know that that fight he was knocked out in that the end of that first round, right? And then he comes back in the second round and just puts Robert away, you know. Well, he knocked out Robert at the very last second, right before the bell. Remember, yeah. he landed that uh, he landed like a two piece, or no, he landed an uppercut, and he drops Whitaker, but Whitaker just popped right back up, only because he couldn't jump on him and start pounding. And you could tell going into the second round, Whitaker. See, I just rewatched this like two days ago. That's why it's so fresh to me. Um, Whitaker, after getting knocked out, the first time he sees his knockdown was going into round two and he's looking up and you could just kind of see it on his face like, oh shit, that's what it looked like. And so, unlike this time, I I felt like Costa fucked up throwing that white belt at him. That was my first thought after after he won last night was, Costa, you shouldn't have threw that white belt at him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, in in the weigh-ins, that was uh, a little weird. I mean, you heard Izzy at the end. He was talking about, I saw that coming. I saw under his shirt. He had the black belt on. I knew he was going to throw a white belt at me. I was just trying to get in his head. And, and I, you know, I can't take away from Paulo trying to get in Izzy's head, you know. But I don't think that was the way to go about it, especially since we've never really seen too much of Paulo's groundwork, right? He, he might have a black, uh, black belt in BJJ, but we've never seen the groundwork from him. He, he's a brawler. He comes forward and just wants to take your head off. So I think, yeah, that was a little bit into the insight of what is what is really going on here? Who's in whose head? And I do think, I believe, Izzy, that he somehow got in Paulo's head and made him stay on the outside. Like you were saying, he didn't fight the fight he had. He stood on the outside, was trying to pick shots, but he was just too slow and too big. And yeah, with, with that knee, when he was taking chopping at that leg, Izzy was chopping at Paulo's leg, with, and that knee started bleeding. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. Cringed a little bit, went... <laughs> we got to figure out a different game plan. And he, he didn't do it. He didn't switch up. He just, he thought he could just get through it. And I think those punches ended up surprising him in the second round, how hard they actually are for Missy. Yeah. I mean, no, and, and just like when he won the title and he made that joke at the end, like, I thought I didn't have knockout power. I think people don't realize he's 6'4 and solid muscle. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Costa really went into that and didn't, he had, a, like you said, I really th- agree with you. I think he had a good plan. I think he had a sound plan because I think everyone expected him just to keep going forward. And if when you think that's what they expect of you and it's a title fight, I understand you wanted to switch it up. I'm surprised in the second round he didn't start going forward more. But then again, maybe he did because even rewatching it, I guess like that desperation, your instinct kicks in, and that's how he was able to land so many head strikes. Is he landing it on Costa? I mean, because he was he started coming in at him, and that's how he got the TKO. So 
I guess it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because, like, you know, we both agree, it, it, like, with Spider Silva, you know, you don't know how to attack him. And now Israel Adesanya, with, through three middleweight title fights, he has two fights where he looks like a clone. And then the boring fight, air quotes on boring. It was boring, but you know what I mean. We're not really the Bloodlust fans like some fans are. Right. Like, that, like you, you couldn't, you know, you're not going to knock out Yoel Romero. Like, I don't see Izzy di- doing that. And he didn't do it, but he won, you know, pretty handedly. And it's not on the champ to chase the, the challenger down. So I liked how Izzy was was kind of forcing Costa to, oh, go ahead, taunt me all you want, because you have to come at me for this belt. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was that was weird. He was trying to bait him, and it's like, you, you know Izzy's not going to come forward on you like that. He's going to wait, pick his shots, and he, he's, he's a counter-striker. And that's, you know, I... I definitely agree with you on the aspect of people calling the Yoel fight boring to go back to it right but you're, you are talking about two guys that really they're technicians they wait for what they want and they only pick shots that are smart in their eyes now the thing that you didn't really see and that you know not everyone's going to really pay attention to with the Yoel fight is exactly what you said he is he really didn't have to come forward and he didn't and he still picked Yoel apart from the outside. I mean, Yoel, it was funny watching him dance at the at the press conference. He's like, oh, my leg's fine, right? He's dancing. He's doing a salsa dance. But that didn't prove anything. It was the same thing that uh, Paulo had on his face. That leg was getting torn up. And that counts. It, no matter what, you know, you might not like it. You might be out for blood sport, you know, right? But that's not what, what this is. These are, these are guys that are, have honed their craft. And to go back to the Yoel fight again, we did see one of the greatest fights right before that. Probably men and women's fight, that was the greatest. The Zhang Wei Li fight versus Joanna Young Jacek was unbelievable. That, those two women went at it for five rounds straight. So we did get a little spoiled from that, right? Yeah. So then you have this other fight that's getting hyped up. Everyone's like, oh, you remember the fight? Yo, Wells a monster. Izzy's a monster. Look what he did to Robert. Remember what Robert and Yoel did to each other? But that was, again, that's a perfect matchup for them, too. The Ro- Robert is identical to Paul Acosta. They're those bite down on their mouthpiece that come forward, and they're going to land and see if you can take the onslaught. That's perfect for Yoel. So those fights look great. Um, I think we got a little spoiled in, in that fight card with, with uh, Yoel versus Izzy, but at the end of the day, you you're still seeing the progression of Israel turning into a spider-like character where it's his octagon. He controls the whole thing, and you either play his game or you got to bring a new game plan in. When you, when you play his game, he's going to win. He's going to win every time. And did you see uh, at the end of the fight when he was talking to Dana? Yes, with uh, about... Uh, Oh, who was it? It was uh, about Shane Young. That's who right? it was about. He was pissed about something, yeah. man. <laughs> so uh, Luke Dett Klein, it was, it was you know actually his first uh, his first UFC appearance, and uh, he ended up missing weight by five pounds. Right, it was supposed to be a one forty five pound fight. He ends up missing weight by five pounds. But the controversy and what Izzy was actually talking about, which can get really interesting, so we can kind of hop off the the main title fight and get into this a little bit is that he was upset with Dana. Well, not just Dana, just the whole situation of this guy had a 90 extra minutes to try and lose the weight. And that could really affect your performance the next day. If you're still cutting weight up until 
the time you're going to weigh in, right? But what Izzy was saying from the brief stuff we heard, the brief interaction between Dana and him, was that he was still sitting in the back. You know, he had 90 minutes and he wasn't worried about cutting the weight because he's like, screw it. I don't need to cut the weight. I'll just go in there, be heavier, and I'll be fine, and I'll still win the fight, and I'll only lose 30% of my fight uh, bonus or your pretty much your contract, not even the bonus, right? Your win and show. So, Izzy was just saying, that's not fair. They need to take 90%. You heard him at the post-fight uh, preference conference as well talking about it. And, you know, I don't I don't hate it. I do agree that Luvet Klein should have kept going, should have tried to, tried to cut the weight off instead of sitting in the back and saying, oh, oh well, I'm too heavy. Let me just go in heavy. It's not going to hurt me. See, I, I wasn't sure what he was talking about even with myself, because I knew there was so inside baseball when he's starting, when he's talking 30%, making 90% if they don't make the weight. That is some inside baseball, yeah. you know, type of, that is that is some fighter problems, not not like the, the, the UFC fan problems. That is some inner workings so they can have the best product going forward from the fighters. Like, we have no say in that. That has nothing to do with us. We, we watch no. the fight regardless. So I just thought it was crazy. This dude has the biggest win of his career up until this point now, and his first worry is, this is how we get these motherfuckers to do what they need to do, which is crazy Correct. because that's him kind of going, this is my UFC now. I'm the biggest uh, dog in this fight, which I want to kind of see what the numbers are from that pay-per-view. Because hopefully they're good numbers, but we don't really see numbers anymore since they've gone to the, uh, you know, ESPN. Um, but overall, yeah. that it felt like we have entered this Izzy era, and I don't know, you know, it's UFC, he could lose the next fight. We never know, that's the beauty of the sport. But I don't really see anybody, like, on the horizon, which is always fun because that's how new stars are made. And I think he called out uh, Jack Hermanson. Last uh, night? Derek Cannonier. Derek. Wait, who? Jared. Oh, Jared. Jared. Duh. I'm, I have all these names in front of me now. So when you said when you said that just now, I was like, he did not say Derek Brunson. I'm not going to yeah, say. No, no, no. Jared Cannonier, I, I believe is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's three. He's three in the middleweight division. Jack Hermanson's four. I was just I was looking real fast at the rankings because I, I like how Israel seems just to be pointing down at the rankings like who's the next in line, which is awesome. Because if he fights that dude, and he says he deserves it, I'm, I'm not going to sit here on a pod, on wax, and front like I know fighters I don't know. I haven't watched uh, Cannoneer, at least I don't remember watching him, because you know how many, you know, between UFC, Bellator, and one, there's a shit ton of fighters I watch, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I know Jared's whole career. I would have been, as a fan, I would have wanted to see, like, a Darren Till Maybe a Gaslam again. You know what I mean? Like one of those names just to have another name. But I'm all for next fighter up, best fighter up. Yeah, yeah. So a, a couple of things in there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that is real inside baseball going back to, uh, you know, 30%, 90%. But at the end of the day, that that's the commissions we got to deal with, right? That That's who really ends up setting that, that model up. It's not the UFC. So that's, yeah, that's going to be something that we're not going to be able to work out. But you're right. Now that it's kind of the reign of Izzy, he does have the opportunity to say that. And I said the same thing. The minute I was watching the end of that fight, and he went over to Dana, and they're they're doing the cutaway to him, and he's talking about it. I was like, wow. he Yeah, he just won one of the biggest fights of his life, handedly. And he's not even worried about talking about anything with Dana about money this or that or where are we going to go, what's, what's the next fight. He literally goes out for a teammate in Shane Young and says, hey, we need to figure this out because that's not fair 
at all. And that's that just shows you the kind of guy he is. No matter if, you know the antics he might have, uh, if you if you like him, if you don't like him, it does show you that he's a he's a team player, right? So it's unbelievable. And then to follow up, is he looks like he's going to clear out the division? That's that's what <laughs> I see from him. I mean, he, that's what he wants to do. He, it looks like he wants to do the, the John Jones things, right? Right? You got to clean that whole division out. Have no naysayers like, oh, maybe this guy could have did it, or maybe this guy could have took him down, took him off his throne. He's like, okay, I'll go one after the other after the other. And that's what you saw when when Paulo. Remember, he had the bicep surgery, right? So he he had to get taken out. He was supposed to fight Izzy first after the Whitaker fight, but then he said, well, you know what? I'll take the guy that everyone's scared of. Even like you said, you mentioned Darren Till. Darren Till jokes around, you know, but he even says, who wants to fight that guy? Who wants to fight Yoel Romero? No one does. Izzy said. That's my first title defense. That's that's unheard of. I mean, you're right. He's going to go down that list, and um, I, I just can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. I just remember me and you because uh, behind the the pod, me and you are big fans of almost everybody in this division. So it's not like me and you are like, oh no, not that fight. And the Yo- <laughs> the Yoel Romero fight, Yo- Romero Costa is one of my favorite fights in the last like five years. I've watched that multiple times. So. When he's put when his first title defense was going to be against the Soldier of God, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, me and you were both like, this could be a career maker or this could be really bad. And you know, Romero finally gets his moment, which is good for Romero, but bad for the UFC because Izzy takes an L in his first defense. Obviously, that didn't happen. And the fact that it was an air quotes boring fight shows you how good in the octagon inside the cage. Izzy actually is controlling the cage. And that's the boring part a lot of people don't even pay attention to. It's like the bloodlust in this sport has gone away. Me and you have said just talking, watching the sport. In the last 20, 10 years, you know, 10, 20 years, it has really gone away. There's not that many fans that are just about, I want to see blood. So the fight was boring, but it, it got boring because by round three, Izzy had all the rounds won. And, yeah. and, and Romero yeah. was not acting like he was down. And so that was the problem in that fight. This fight last night, I, I, I'll admit, I thought it was going to be Izzy by like unanimous decision. That's how I really thought this fight was going to be done. I did not have Izzy by TKO early, you know, in, in midway through round two. That is not how I thought this was going to go. Um, any last thoughts? Because we should give some, you know, shine to the other gladiators that were on this card. Because of course, uh... No, no last thoughts, just the, the one last comment on, you know, Jared Cannonier. He, he mentioned that he's the dark horse of the vision, and I think that's what he's got to do. Like I said, I, I'll try not to repeat it myself, but it's he's got to work. If he wants that GOAT status, he's going to just check check the numbers off the list. That's all the way down that UFC ranking that you're looking at. He's just got to check, 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 check. And, um, yeah, it was just unbelievable performance, and he's the king right now. He's the king. He is the UFC right now, and I'm and I'm fine with that. I am fine with that. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Uh, it's perfect. The other big ass fight last night, the co-main, I guess, was the yes. vacated light heavyweight title. And the weird part for me and you doing this for the first time and talking about this sport for the first time, I think if we collect all of our minutes talking about this sport, the light heavyweight division is probably what we talked about the most in our life. And just me and you BSing before. I feel old because I did not realize. I remember before there was a light heavyweight division when it was just a middleweight division, and I thought that was like the early two thousands. And you're like, no, man, it was it was ninety seven. And I was like, that was the nineties. And I just had like a moment, like, oh my god. 
Yeah, so, yeah, you know, original UFC days, if we wanted to throw it all the way back, you had that, it was that no-holds-barred, right, all that stuff. And then it eventually developed into a, a true sport. And that's what, you're, that's what we're talking about. It was so long ago, it's like, wait, 97? Really? And that was, yeah, Frank Shamrock, that first light heavyweight title. It's crazy to think back about now. It really is. Um, but, yeah, I think most of our minutes are spent talking about this. And, and rightly so, right? You, I mean, you know, a little bit background. Both of us grew up big into the boxing scene, right? And yes. Our family was all about it. So, and we know the lighter guys, as it's always talked about in circles, the lighter guys in boxing are your technicians. You watch those guys, and you, you want to see what boxing is, you watch those guys. But you want to watch boxing? You watch the heavyweights, you know, the Mike Tysons, you know, the Marvin Hagler's, like, it's, you, you watch the big guys, right? The horses. Right, <laughs> exactly. Now, in UFC, there's this weird thing that happened that 205 mixes the perfect amount of uh, of a technician with a hoss. Yeah, it's just, just this monster. Because once you get up to the heavyweights, those guys are real big, they're kind of a lot slower, right? I mean, just look at DC himself as a heavyweight versus a light heavyweight. It's a completely different DC. So, when you're going, when you're looking at it for UFC, it's not about the heavyweights. It's about those 205 guys. They, that division has been, it's been everyone. I mean, to do a quick rundown, just listen to these names. So, it starts off with Frank Shamrock, right? We all know him. Great. Tito Ortiz gets it after Shamrock vacates in 99, right? He gets it off of Vanderlei Silva, which is an amazing fight anyway. Tito holds it until Randy and Chuck fight for the interim, right? Because Tito wasn't fighting. Tito, and I have it in front of me too, just sidebar. 1,260 days Tito Ortiz had it. Five yes, title uh, defenses. Five. Three years. Yes. Five title defenses, three years. Ran, ran, I mean, he was he was the guy. He was the UFC. That like he's one of my favorite light heavyweights. Not because I like him as a like as a personality, but because when I was getting into the sport, he won the belt, and he was the first one ever saying we need to get paid more. Yes. So yeah, yeah but, but keep going. Paid. But keep going. I, no, I need to. No, no worries. Yeah. No. Perfect sidebar. Because yes, you're looking at uh, the first reign. It was the first light heavyweight reign, right? And then we have Randy comes in. Randy was back and forth, back and forth, because he was in the older days too, right? And then, so Randy gets the title as the third holder of that belt, has it for a little bit of time, and then it becomes Vitor's, right? Vitor takes the belt, and Vitor, just background again, my favorite fighter, one of the best. I mean, we could talk about PEDs and all that for days and days and days, but if we're talking about the old days of the UFC, that is Vitor Belfort. That kid came out at 19 years old and just ran through everybody he saw, right? Mm-hmm. So then, so then it hits Randy. Right, so all these names are great. We're we're talking about, like I said, you're about to hit the golden yeah. era uh, of right, the division. Right, you're about to hit the golden era because we had we started with Shamrock, Ortiz, and Couture, and then we're in Vitor, Couture again for a second time. Now we're hitting Chuck Liddell. That's when you know the UFC pops. Chuck Liddell's everywhere. He's in movies. It it gets insane. And then you get Rampage. Oh, right? but before Rampage, Liddell. Who is not really, you know, he's remembered more of as a personality than like as his great fighter, and he had the belt yeah. for seven hundred and seventy days. Yeah, Chuck Liddell had it. Yeah, seven hundred. Two years. Yeah, two about. years. Two years. Two years straight. Four title defenses, and finally, the culmination of the the uh, Chuck and Tito. Again, right? 
that's, that's what ends up happening at the end of that at the end of that title reign. Yep. And then he fights. Then strike force happens, right? And we get we get some monsters. Wait, no, was, wasn't it Pride? Was that, wasn't that Pride back Pride, then? not Strike Force, Pride. Yeah, because Rampage was all about Pride. That's how I, I know Rampage Jackson. I was a fan because I used to buy those Pride DVDs from FYE. Throwback yes. names everywhere <laughs> in that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. My, my mistake. It's, it's Pride we're talking about. When that when that buyout happens, UFC gets those guys. You know, we were waiting for, you know, Liddell lost to Rampage in Pride, right? Was it? Is it Rampage and Pride? I, I yeah, Liddell, Liddell lost to Rampage and Pride and Couture early in the UFC, and those were, like, big defining losses. That's why his rise was so big, because people didn't really see it coming because of those losses, I believe. Okay, yeah. Yes, I remember it now. And then, so, we get out of there and we're in the Golden Era, so it's Liddell, Jackson, Forrest Griffin. I want to run these through, because we're going to get to the biggest part, which has a lot to do with the two fighters that were there last night within Dominic Reyes and Jan Bovich, right? Oh yeah, there's there's a reason we need to go through the history because there yeah, was history there, last there, night. Yeah, there's a reason this history has to be said. So, we get through a couple of them, right? We get Rampage, we get Forrest Griffin, then we get Rashad Evans. And where this starts to take turns, because now we're getting into the Monster Monsters. And, and so, these are all the names that everyone everyone remembers. I mean, you, you know, you have the few in between but these are all the names. Then you get Leota Machida and Shogun Hula, right? Mm-hmm. And then right after Shogun, which they both had it for about a year, you know? Yeah, uh, roughly. It's Right, it's Machida and Hula 2 is when uh, Shogun gets the title because he loses the first one in the title defense against Leota Machida. And then Shogun Hula gets it back, right? And then we get who should have been Rashad Evans, if we all remember back then. It should have been Rashad Evans fighting for this title again, but he couldn't. So a teammate steps in named John Jones. And the, to, not to be cliche, but the rest is history. We're, we're nine years later, and yeah. there's only two men that held that belt since. So John Jones, that first reign, UFC 128 in Newark, New Jersey, was March 19, 2011. And for the next 1,501 days, he would be- defeat Quentin Jackson, Leota Machida, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, Chael Sonnen, Alexander Gustafson, Glover Texera, and Daniel Cormier. And that Daniel Cormier, the eighth title defense, eight title defenses, that was January 2015. Then he was stripped of the title due to his involvement in, in an arrest in a felony hit and run in April 2015. Cormier beats Anthony Rumble Johnson, and if you and if you remember, I know you remember, but if people listening remember, the, the poster for that title fight, mind you, it showed Daniel Cormier looking small and and Rumble Johnson like as like this big force standing over him, and it was a disrespectful poster. Just to be clear, like it was like if, the, if it wasn't that first time, it was the second time because either way, it was just like. How are you like really disrespecting DC that much? But DC would have three title defenses: Gustafin, uh, a second fight against John Rumble Johnson, and then uh, Volkan Ozamir. I'm butchering that name. Um, and, yeah, 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 you're good, Ozamir. Yeah, and and and, thir- and that was about 1,315 days. Oh, those three, you know what I mean? Like, which is crazy. And then John Jones wins it again in. Or no, he wins the interim title in 2016. Listen, it gets confusing only because the goat, the guy that should have been the goat, was an asshole. He he wins the interim title and then gets a one year suspension for a failed pre fight drug test. 
Then he wins the undisputed title at UFC 214 in 2017 and is shipped again, and it's overturned to a no contest, so the belt goes back to Cormier. But Cormier vacates the title because he moved on up to the heavyweight division. Mind you, I just want to, you know, sidebar, Cormier is underrated in this story. I just, like, he's a great fighter. I know, it's, it's sad when you talk about the story. It's that Cormier is just kind of another name, but in his, in his own... We're talking about Daniel Cormier here. Yeah, he, he, he's the far, to me and you at least, he's the farthest thing from another name. But John Jones gets the belt back, and he, he defeats Gustafin, and that's the second time. And mind you, those fights are great. So if you haven't seen those, definitely find them somewhere. But that reign was 597 days for a total of, if, if you'll know if I'm getting this right because you said it before to me, 2,098 days as champion for John Jones. Yes, just, just oh, I think we did the math, it was a little over five, five and a half years, almost six years. That, which is, and, and we, that's why we gave you the history, because one man held this belt without actually losing it, just getting stripped of it from his own assholishness for five fucking years. Yeah. In, in, in a division that historically is full of killers. Oh, completely. And I mean, then, you, you read, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, you read that first those first three names, those were the names, that's why I rattled it off, those were the names you heard. The first three title defenses, it was Rampage Jackson, it was Leota Machida and Rashad Evans. I mean, and Vitor Belfort. So the first four. And, it's, and, it's and that's the history coming into last night. At the time of recording, it's the morning after 2.53. You know, we got our coffee, and we're, talk, we're re-talking about this fight that just happened. So, like, our boy Ariel could be doing something right now, and we're completely oblivious to the news. Um, but <laughs> right. Jones never lost that belt. We finally get the light heavyweight vacated, and there's two guys going in this tonight. And the funny thing is, because like like I said, like I don't pretend to know more than I do, but you asked me, what was it, Friday night? Like, who do I think is going to get the, the light heavyweight? And I jokingly yeah. said, because I did not, I, I didn't want to butcher his name, but I knew it was Spanish dude and white dude. And I said, I think the white guy is going to get it. <laughs> like, I don't know much more about him, but I knew he was a beast. And, I, and watching his highlights, I realized I probably saw about three or four of his fights prior to tonight, or last night, I should say. And... It was Jan Blachowicz. Blachowicz. Yeah. Blachowicz. Um, yeah. yeah I, see, I told you. And Dominic <laughs> Reyes. And you here, you could you could start us off. What did you think going into it? And what did you think of the actual fight? So, so to answer both questions, this is why I, I was kind of really stressing on the fact of who had this, this 205 title for so long. We all know it's Sean Jones, right? And their last fight, controversial as it may be, it made it seem like Dominic Reyes was going to be this dominant, dominant force. And after watching last night, I, I came to a realization that we always talk about a Styles make fights, right? And I don't know what it was, but I think the fight with John Jones that Dominic had ended up putting maybe. And I mean, you know, I might be stretching here, but from what I saw. It might have put this idea in his head that, like, okay, this is how we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to stand back. We're going to have to, you know, try and pick our shots, which is which is the smartest thing to do. You want to be smart in there. And that works with John Jones as, you know, if you're not barreling forward because John Jones is a great counter-striker, right? We, we've known it forever. And he'll pick you apart from the outside and just, and, just, and just tear you down. He's got those long arms. And that fight between them two, you know, some people call Dominic the uncrowned king, right? Uncrowned champ. 
now we flash forward to Dominic versus Jan Blahovitz. And I'm I'm one I'm I'll be honest, I'm one of the people riding in going, All right, Dom's got this. I mean, Jan's a dangerous guy one hundred percent, but the performance he put and me having this deep, deep love, you know, <laughs> to John Jones, like everyone does, there's this there's this idea that, well, Dom's gonna have this in the bag. It might go five rounds, it might be an all out brawl, it might be tough, but he's gonna have it. And that was complete opposite to what happened. Jan got in there and look masterful. He he came forward really strong, and I don't think Dominic was planning for those onslaughts like that. I mean, I, I remember watching the first round, and I'm sitting there like, wow, he's coming on, and yeah, Dominic's uh, me, he come, meaning Jan's, coming on to Dom and, you know, throwing these power shots right through his guard. I mean, he's trying to block him, and he's just he's just catching him every time, and I'm sitting there like, if, if this keeps happening, he just needs to go in and just not stop. It looks like Dom has no way to back out of this. He, he looks like he's standing there just letting it come on, maybe thinking he can get a counter out of this and put him out in one shot. Or something. I don't know what happened, but that, that's what I saw in that fight. And it just was stunning. I mean, I jumped out of my seat seeing, seeing that uh, TKO happen. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It was you, unbelievable. You, put on a great fight, Young. You see, the funny thing is, I didn't see the Reyes fight back in February, right? I and, But I, I, if I look up... Uh, Jan's run, I, I, I probably could point out which fights I saw of his. So, to, to, peek a, uh, to give everyone a peek behind the curtain, like you said earlier, we come from a boxing family, and in boxing, like MMA, both both you know sports, there's uh, national rivalries, for lack of a better term. So, usually, Puerto Ricans always cheer for the Puerto Rican. So, that's one inherited bias we both have when it comes to combat sports. And since you are such a gigantic Bones Jones fan, I think you put both of those things together, and that's why you thought Reyes was going to win. I didn't see that fight mostly because Jones has let me down so many times. I, and I, I said to you, what is it? What is it now? Like you know, six, seven months ago. I don't. I'm not paying for it because it might not count anymore. Like, <laughs> like that was yeah. like I'm. I'm disappointed in Jones because he, he should be without a doubt the greatest fighter that ever lived. Like. So I didn't have that inherent bias for Reyes like so many people had. I had people telling me about Reyes, but I didn't really have it. And if everyone couldn't tell, I said the white boy before because I didn't know he was Polish and I can't really pronounce his name all that well. But I had a feeling, I just knew he was a beast. Like, because the light heavyweight division, if you're in the title fight, usually you're good at something. And this dude is double tapping people in real life, knocking you out and then just laying a hammer into your head as you hit the floor. Like... So when that happened, I just felt like, oh, at least I got this right. I didn't feel like a genius because it wasn't based off of so much studying of the film or anything like that. But I definitely didn't have that, that you know, that fandom that you have you had for Reyes before the fight, which makes sense, but only because I didn't watch what you watched. You know what I mean? And styles do make fight when you're you know going against stone hands. You're gonna have a hard time if you just think you're gonna be able to eat these punches. And then that dude. He, he, I don't know if he's going to be a long champion, but I don't know exactly who is going to beat him just off the top of my head. Right now, in the light heavyweight division, hold on, let me pull it up. No problem. I mean, to, to, while you're pulling that up, I can let you know. I mean, yeah, he was on a great run. I mean, Tiago Santos is right there, right? Yeah. That, but he's, two, he's actually number two in the division. Right, and that's his only loss in this, in this long win streak he had. 
uh, was to Tiago, and we saw that was the other controversial fight John Jones had, which a lot of people say to you know him vacating the belt, he can't do it anymore at light heavyweight. They're just getting too fast, too strong. Tiago was that other other fight that he had right before Dominic Reyes. Speaking on John Jones, so in my eyes, you know that that if you want to go down the rankings as well, that's a rematch that has to be done. It just has to, you know. That'll probably be the next one because uh, Santos is two right now. Uh, then you got Texera at four, Rakic at five, and uh, you know some of the more familiar names that you <laughs> were fed to Bones Jones over the years. So yes. <laughs> it's weird because this is the, probably the first time. Once again, this is why we gave everyone the history. This is probably the first time in our lives and our fandom that the light heavyweight division is this wide open. Oh, complete, completely open. I mean. It, you know, we, we've been talking about it for a long time about it might be stagnant or this or that, especially John Jones kind of kind of blocking it up with pretty much you give him somebody, he beats him. So where do they go? Back down into the rankings. Is it? And then they just got to fight between each other. I mean, you got some young guys coming up. Johnny Walker's one of those guys that looked like he was coming up real strong. Anthony Smith, obviously we all love him. Um, but we don't know what his career is going to lead to. But yeah, so I think Tiago got to run it back that that's that's really it for them and i i agree with you this is the first time that's why we had that history because this is the first time we might just have turnover in the in the 205 division now Jan might come out here and just stop everyone and and we have a new reign and we're talking about Jan like we're talking about john or we're talking about tito yeah but, that dude right now he looks he looks like a monster he looks like a monster right now i mean I mean, it was what coming off a four fight win, three fight win streak. I mean, Luke Rockle was a. I, I don't. He put him away, but that was Luke's first try at two hundred five. So, you know, and Luke's not it hasn't been looking great for so long. But I, I don't want to take anything anything away from him. You know, it, it is Luke Rockle, but it was his first time at two hundred five. But then, you know, he beat the big one that got him here. Basically, talking about Giannis is beating Corey Anderson when he. He stopped Corey Anderson. Unbelievable. Just put him right away. Knocked his lights out, right? And everyone was... That was the guy that was calling out. Everybody was telling Dana, I want better fights. I want this. I want the title shot. Corey was on a hot streak. And Jan just stopped it in his tracks. Stopped that entire streak in his tracks. So he deserved it. And, um, yeah, I think... Just to kind of piggyback off what you said, yeah, I think we're going to see maybe just some turnover a little bit for now it's the division's kind of up in the air right now even though we have a decisive champion because we can't take anything away from what Jan did last night but oh no he has the, he has the Santos fight and he has a rematch with Reyes at least for the next if he wins one or the other for his next two fights but it is for the first time since 2010 like it feels like it's anybody's division in a way, well, I should say in a way, I, I don't remember this. I don't remember in a time where I, I don't know. There could be three champions in the next two years for all we know. Yeah, could be. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, as far as the, uh, the, the, you know, the individual performance, you kind of touched on it already. You know, Styles make fights, and last night, Jan looked like a champ. You know, like, I don't want to, no, I can't take anything away from him. He That was no. his fight. It was, it was... It was another one where, I mean, it sounds like we're just kind of talking about the same thing with both title fights, but that's that's what it was. I mean, it was just, there was nothing coming from Dom's side, really. I mean, he landed a few, but 
it looked like they, he was outclassed, just like the other title fight. They, the, both of the both of the champions now that are still new and still, uh, God, I can't talk, and new and still, both of them looked like they were leagues farther ahead than, than their opponents. It was it was unbelievable. So, yeah, I can't can't take anything away from Jan. He, he, hopefully he has a great title run, and we'll see what's next for him. It, it's going to be great. But, um, yeah, to, I guess, get off those two championship fights, because that's what, I mean, that's what a lot of people want to go see. Like you said earlier in, in the conversation here, you were talking about we got to see those numbers. But especially coming from the ESPN model, you don't know what those numbers are going to look like, especially with everything else going on in the world. You know, we're talking MMA, but this is the first time we've had sports, every sport, every one. I mean, we, we had Santa Cup playoffs last night. We had the, the Heat, uh, not Heat, we had the Nuggets LA game last night. Um, and we had UFC. So it, it's it's the first time that was a, there was a lot of stuff. So we got to see where people really watching this and, and excited about this fight, which I think they were. Yeah, I think it, I think it probably did decent numbers for because Israel is definitely a name that fight fans get excited for. Um, I think after last night, you'll see more of the casual, uh, I check in once or twice a year type of fan to come into the sport if this dude, especially if he has like a John Jones-like run. But as far as the rest of the card, the only thing, look, looking at it now and thinking about it in retrospect, that really stood out to me. The woman's uh, bantam fight was good. It was a good fight, so I don't want to hate on that. There was no bad fights on the entire card, so let me just say that. But... Uh, Brandon Royville, the guy that got the guillotine choke. That was yes. just, it was flyweight. I just really like, I, that's one of my, I, to use wrestling terminology, I mark out for that submission. And when I saw it, him get it in last night, I was like, oh, I, I literally th- think I said, oh, he's fucked. Because even though the, he was standing up, it, the way he got his arm locked in, you're done. Unless you just land one of those body shots. Yeah, like, it was over. Yeah, um, that was... That was interesting. That was really interesting. They, they were both swinging real fast. I mean, that that was a that looked like it was going to be a dogfight at first, and then uh, Royval just, just comes out and just keeps going. I mean, he just kept going. It was it was actually rather un- unbelievable. And you know, Kaikar France, another uh, another city kickboxing guy, right? Uh, so that's the team that Izzy fights out of, out of New Zealand, uh, City Kickboxing. So they had four fighters on the card. I think they're two and two from UFC 253. Not bad. Uh, yeah, they were two and two. So not not bad, not bad. And one of them was that controversial one where with Shane Young where uh, Izzy was talking to Dana about it at the end of the fight. But, yeah, talking about Brandon Royville, that that guillotine choke where he he just sat right on top of you it looked like he was going i gotta rewatch it again but it looked like kai car was going for a uh for like a scoop and dump or something he was trying to put him on the canvas it looked like and worry about just crawled right off his body put that guillotine in and i was like oh yeah it's over and it was i mean it was a little bit of a back and forth um at first i mean it kind of looked like they were going wild uh especially with uh Roy Val when he when he was uh he was throwing either some spinning spinning kicks or I couldn't remember what it was. I, I'd have to look at it, but he was always following up with with a spinning back elbow after it or a spinning back fist after it. He wasn't just throwing the kick. You know how you sometimes see guys they throw the kick and they kind of just put their arms down, let their back go to the opponent, and then spin around just to get their head around and see what's going on because they're taking that spin. But he was throwing something behind it, and I think that was one of the first things that caught Kai Car 
and uh, put him to the canvas. And after that, it's like, oh, they're they're really going at it. And yeah, he just got caught in that guillotine. And, and instead of trying to go back, maybe I mean, when, when you're caught up like that, it's it's kind of hard to defend, especially how high he was. He was sitting on top and putting all his body pressure into it, pulling him down. You know, and when you're standing up, and um, yeah, it was just a decisive victory. It was great. It was really good. And that um that solidifies, I think. His previous fight, if I'm not mistaken, Brandon Roy Bow won by another submission. Yeah, I'm here right now against Tim Elliott. Yeah, a UFC fight night in round two, arm triangle choke. So it's a new guy to look out for. Watch him coming up. It's gonna be it's gonna be really good. Came from LFA, you know, so they do a lot of promotions with um, the UFC. They're on Fight Pass, I believe. So it's been a guy you got to look out for. It was uh, it was a really good fight. He's really good mo- fight. he's actually moved up. He's now nine in the flyweight rankings. Really? Yeah, and and at least up to today, because this could, uh, you know, be edited soon, or the day after a, a big event. But right. Cara France was seven, and Royval was nine. So I probably would expect him to at least jump up to six. Yeah, he might. Yeah, he might jump up in those rankings. What? What else? What else are we looking at here? Hold on. Who else is in that? Who else is in that ranking between them? Between them, it is. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this Rogerio, name. Okay. Yeah. yeah gotcha. <laughs> I, 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 when, when it comes to the the Brazilian names, I, I always like. I, I'm gonna ruin this. This is what I'm gonna say. It's so wrong. <laughs> no worries. And yeah, and you know what? That's a that's a fun division. Um, you know, right? That's the that's the division we were talking about. That what was this a year ago or almost two years ago now? When we're talking about. Um, uh oh man, I can't even remember now. That's bad. Uh, the, the, when it comes to the flyweight, my favorite flyweight in UFC history would be uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, So, Over two years ago, ago, roughly, right, that's when the trade happened. That's the reason I got into one, is because Mighty Mouse went over there. So, yeah. I feel bad for this division, because I think, just because they're the tiny dudes, they don't get the, the respect they deserve as the athletes they actually are. I'm happy right. that the division still exists, though. Yeah, well, that's what I was. That's what I was basically pointing on. So I, I couldn't. The names are uh, getting away from me. But um, oh, T.J. Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo when they fought. Right after that, that was supposed to be the decider of is this one twenty five going to stick around? Remember, I don't. I don't know if you remember, but that was kind of the talk around the UFC. Is are they keeping one twenty five? Are they going to force the guys to go up to one thirty five? Which you know, one forty five to one fifty five, that might not be a big difference. You know, and we're still talking about ten pounds, so this might be a little bit inside baseball. But when you're talking about one twenty five to one thirty five, that's ten pounds though. That that's a difference. That I mean, that's a big difference at that light of a weight. Yeah. Um. So I, I agree with you there. I, I'm kind of glad it's still around with um with Figueroa being the champion. That was that that's gotten some new lifeblood in the flyweight division. So. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be fun watching these guys move up the move up the cards and and figure out getting. I don't know who his next fight is, but yeah, that flyweight division. I'm glad it's still around. I'm glad Dana hasn't gotten rid of it yet, um, and I hope he doesn't. I mean, you know, DJ was is is probably still the best flyweight of all time, right? I mean, the things he's been able to pull off. I mean, everyone talks about that that flying arm uh, that flying arm bar, right? Is what it was. He jumped up in the air, got the iron ball on the way down. One of the greatest things. Oh, in that's what, one of the sickest highlights ever. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's insane. So it is sad that he's over there. Um, but you know, we got some we got some good flyweights coming up, and hopefully that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. Yeah. One I actually kind of I really liked 
um, that it's it was on the prelim, uh, just to bring it up, that Jake Matthews-Diego Sanchez fight, right? I know a lot of people, you can have some mixed emotions about Diego being a tough one guy, uh, over 30-plus fights, right? I think he's 30 and 13 or something like that. Um, so it can be tough watching these guys uh, keep going, right? A lot of people say that with BJ Penn. Um, you know, you can have a list of them that you're like, oh, they're just not the same. They're shells of themselves. I don't 100% subscribe to that with Diego, but I do have to say Jake Matthews came out unbelievable against Diego. I mean, to fight a vet like that, former idol, I mean, they were talking about it on the broad- broadcast, um, Jake being, I think he was 11 or something, watching Tough One, and now he's fighting the guy he watched at 11 years old. So that's, it's just... That's it's crazy. Insane, his performance was unbelievable, and that's another one I think you're going to have to look out for. Right. on his way up. Well, we definitely will, especially if the, in the welterweight division, which is actually perfect because what I wanted to ask you away from UFC 2F3... 2F3, that's that's English, everybody. UFC 253 <laughs> uh, was... It's perfect because I wanted to ask you about the welterweight division. Last week was Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley, and Tyron Woodley got owned by yeah. Colby Covington. And to throw all of our car, cards out on the table... Once again, I'm a big wrestling fan, so I'm not hating on Colby for being a gimmick. We could argue about politics all day long, if you know me, but as far as inside the cage, Colby is a really good fighter. I don't think anyone could take that away from him. Um, You were not shocked that he beat Woodley. Most people weren't shocked he beat Woodley. I just wanted Woodley to kick his ass for obvious reasons. Uh, But I think that the vision is the Nigerian nightmares for a while. I think Usman, you know, ain't losing it. He's, He's Nigerian GSP. Like I don't. It's it's so weird. It's so weird. I, I'm glad you brought it up. There's there's this weird thing about Usman where he's we know he's the champ. He's been decisive, very decisive in in his victories and in his reign as champ right now. And I agree with you. It's his division. But there's some weird aspect to it where people are like, ah, oh, he's not that good. I'm like he's put away everyone he's he's gone against. I mean, not completely put away, but not look bad you know so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up with yeah Colby I agree with you you know you're, you're more of the wrestling fan than I but I agree with you being the heel right being being this gimmick that he is it got eyes on him right and we, we never never can say anything else about that it got eyes on him and it's got people to engage I mean especially via social media especially right now you know you, you could argue the gimmick he chose can be debated right he could have did something else, but it was the one that he knew was going to get the most eyes on him. Oh yeah, I think the only yeah. problem, and you and you sent me the video, so you'll know what I'm talking about. And you can elaborate on it better than I could. But the press conference when Izzy called it out, like he'll say something small and it's controversial, but you have Colby saying all this racist shit in Brazil, saying all this controversial shit, which is fine. Make your money, dude. Sell the fight. You're a prize fighter. I have no problem with that. But the media and Dana White. Who, to his credit, has been consistent, but the media has to be more consistent because you can't cover Colby like it's a sideshow and then get shit on the champions if they talk some shit. So, correct. When it comes to Colby, I just hate it because I know it's a gimmick. He's saying stupid shit. He's saying outlandish shit. He's saying racist shit just to get the headlines. He called out fake woke people like LeBron James, and I said this to you privately. I'll say it on wax. I love that almost every athlete 
got annoyed for LeBron. Like they responded like pretty much, pretty much shut the fuck up, Colby. Because Colby, he needs the gimmick because he's the type of fighter, kind of like Usman, that isn't all flash. U- Usman is boring to the casual fan. Like he's not boring to me. I, I like I liked I wanted him to beat Masvidal because I think he's a be- he's better for the sport than Jorge would be long term. With that being yeah. said, I want to see Masvidal Covington next. That's the fight I want next out oh. of the welterweight division. Oh my god, we want to talk about you want to talk about <laughs> gimmicks and 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 stories and background. I love our guy Ariel talks about it all, all the time. If you want to talk about a, a WWE or wrestling, whatever you want to call it, right? Storyline. That's the storyline. Former teammates, both at ATT, they were having so much beef at their gym that they were, you know, we don't know the true story, but one was told to leave, the other was told to calm down, this, that, and the other thing. Former friends, guy used to, Colby used to stay on uh, Masvidal's couch. So, I mean, yeah, that's the storyline we got to see. That's the storyline we got to see. And, and to, to talk about Usman a little bit, not to take away from him, because this is, that, this welterweight division is is unbelievable. It's it's something that I think Kamara is going to be able to just, same thing. Right, just check off the box. Check off the box. I mean, he's got Gilbert Burns, you know, upcoming in, in three in three UFCs, right? So UFC uh, two fifty six is going to be the Usman Burns fight. So we're going to see because that's who it was supposed to be, and then Masvidal filled in, right? Because Gilbert got COVID, he couldn't go, and we had Jorge Masvidal fill in on that seven days. So I, I'm with you. I think there's yeah, there's this weird thing where it's kind of the same character. That's why Colby did the gimmick he's doing. And Usman kind of had to, kind of still trying to find his own path, but he he doesn't have that complete star power for some reason. And I don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't know where it's coming from. I mean, he's tried to do some of that shit talking, like that. I mean, it was just that press uh, post press conference where Usman was on the mic and Colby was on the mic after Colby's win over Toronto and there's Colby screaming at him and Usman's like kind of laughing it it was a little cringy for me because I'm like neither of you are like this like, yeah it, no, it, it was a it was a cringe fest and to answer your question <laughs> the reason he's not more popular is that I have his record up right in front of me he's 17 and one right seven by knockout one by submission nine by decision and that's why it's it's very simple man. When it comes, like, yeah. we, we, we like that the bloodlust is mostly gone, but as far as making stars, if you are not making noise like Covington figured out how to, like, there's a reason why Tyrone Woodley was considered boring. There's a reason why Usman is considered boring. There's a reason why a lot of us think Colby's boring as far as his actual in-ring goes because he's a great, he's a smart fighter. He's not stupid. Like, he knows how to win rounds. That's why people yeah. don't like Mayweather. He knows how to win rounds. He knows how to play the sport and when it comes to Usman he's the same way his last this is I'm just going to run down the, the last couple of fights since in, since 2018 since May 2018 he, he fought he beat Jorge Masvidal in July 2020 he beat Colby Covington in December 2019 he beat Tyrone Woodley in March 2019 he beat Rafael Dos Anjos in November 2018 and then he beat and, and previously, he beat Damian Maya in May 2018. And and that wasn't even... So he had three fights in 2018 because he also had uh, Weber Meek in January. So, so, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six fights in the last two years. 
like, 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 I know this was mostly about UFC 253, but I think since me and you didn't cover it the week before, it, it, it has to be said, all this fawning we did over the light heavyweight division, most of our entertainment right now is co- is coming from three divisions, from lightweight to middleweight. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, those, yeah, 100%. That is, that is the cream of the crop right now in this era of uh, UFC. And to run down the welterweight division, that's right. I'm on UFC.com, people. So this is not me just randomly saying names. This is what I want to know. Kamara Usman, this is the champ. The number one contender as of September 27th is Colby Covington. Then you got Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal, Stephen Thompson, Damian Maya, Tyron Woodley, Michael Chiesa, R- Rafael Dos Anjos, Neil Magny, Vince. I don't know how do you say that name. Luque. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you, knew, you knew where I was. Jeff. Yep. Joff, Joff, that's English, everybody. Jeff Neal, Nate Diaz, <laughs> Anthony Pettis, and then Robbie Lawler. That is a deep division. Like, yeah. like, 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 like the the, the air quotes, the, the the no names that are ranked right there. To call them no names is how you lose to them. I just want to point out, like that's oh, a, correct. Like that, that that's a trap division because the people like I don't know who that guy is. Let him fight that guy for the easy win, and that's exactly how you get an L on your resume. So, 100%. <laughs> I, I really think my prediction going forward is that Ushman is going to be the guy it's, we're going to be talking about, like, yo, when's he going to drop the belt? Because I just, from a from a technical standpoint, don't see who's going to beat him on the horizon. Don't get me wrong. He, he can go out, go up against Nate Diaz, and Nate Diaz hits that slap the right way, and it's over. That's how the fight game works. But I'm just You're saying, right. as far as really, if I have to put money down... He's the he's the champ that I'm really banking on, and most people would say Habib. I'm just going with Usman because people are sleeping on him. Yep. Well, to yeah, they're to, to kind of talk about his performances. He he can in the Jorge Masvidal fight. I'm trying to kind of think about this in the way I want to put it. In that Jorge Masvidal fight, you saw that you can. Like you always say, air quotes, boring, right? It's not boring. What you saw in that Jorge Masvidal fight was he's not going to play around with a guy that's going to knock him out standing up. He's not going to play that game. He's not going to sit in the middle of the floor because you guys want to, and you know, you guys, the, the casual fan, wants to just see bloodlust, right? They want to just see Bloodsport and just go at each other, stand toe-to-toe, and, and throw throw bombs. Who's not, not going to lose his belt because you want to see that? He's going to win the way he can and get a decisive enough win so people don't go, oh, I could have gone this way or gone that way. That Jorge Masvidal fight was, in my eyes, one-sided. It, I mean, it could have been born, whatever you want to call it. He was pushing him up against the cage, stomping his feet, and just not giving him any breathing room. But don't lose your belt over fans going, oh, fight him, punch him, stand in the middle of the ring. And that's what kind of weird jumping kind of everywhere right now when I'm explaining this, but that's kind of what I like out of this whole COVID-19 situation with the UFC. You're not getting some of these fighters reacting to the crowd like that, and they're just working their game plan, they're sticking forward, they know what they got to do, and they're just getting it done. So I agree with you. If you want to start putting some money down and just watch the rise, even though it might not be this huge meteoric rise, Kamar Usman's going to be there. I think he's going to be there for a, a good amount of time. He's, he's big in that weight class. And he's just decisive. His wrestling is great. His striking's really good. I mean, it's decent. And it's just, he's there, man. And his cardio, talk about cardio. That Colby Covington fight, everyone was 
riding in when they fought, he was everyone's all oh, Colby's got the cardio, Colby's got the cardio, Colby's got the cardio. I haven't said it. Tomorrow went all five rounds with him and put him away in the final in the fifth round. Great fight, all time great uh, welterweight you know? title fight. That 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 like I I want to hate on Colby. I'm exactly what he wants. I'm a person that watches his fights just to see him lose. Yep. Uh, but that fight with Usman, there's no shame. Like I love the memes afterwards, you know, with his broken jaw after talking all that shit. But <laughs> but I have to give him respect and props when he deserves it. That fight is an amazing fight. He lasted after uh, having a broken jaw. He stayed in that fight for rounds, not one round, rounds, and kept fighting. Yeah, I think it was the third round is when they uh, when he when the camera caught him saying, "I think he broke my jaw." I think it was. The- after the third round going into the fourth, or maybe after the second. I think it was the second. I think it was even earlier. And to his credit, man, he's he's not going away. I, I don't think he's going to beat Usman, but I think if someone has a shot, stylistically, Colby's up there with Usman because they're not strikers. They can strike, but they're not. They're better at the real sport of winning rounds, controlling the, 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 the controlling being on top, all of that. I just setting the pace. Yeah, the yeah, pace. The pace, like you said, with the COVID nineteen and with the fights, I like that too. I miss the crowd reactions. I really do. The oh, one re- one crowd reaction I don't miss is the random booing because it, they're not just swinging on each other. Oh, could you could you have imagined that that Kamara Usman fight with uh, Jorge Masvidal when he's up against that cage? It it, it would have been ooh, the whole time. It would have been. The most annoying thing, and it would have, it would have got. I think it would have got Kamara off the side of the cage a little bit, and not work that, not work that plan. And look, we say whatever you want with with Jorge. You don't want to stand it back. I mean, you see it with Nate Diaz. I mean, it was, it wasn't like Nate Diaz was doing this great. I mean, great comeback. He was looking good, but that that fight for that BMF title, you could see Jorge can pick you apart if you wanted to stand up because he throws unorthodox punches. It, it's completely unorthodox. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad. I, I do miss it as well. You know, I miss those pops, especially you get a big punch and the crowd just roars. And you, it's there's nothing like it. The crowd, the crowd would have lost their shit last night with Izzy. Oh my god! Oh, oh man! Could you? It would have been great. I getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It would have been amazing. They, he would have been standing right on top, right outside the cage, one leg on, one leg off, jumping right on top of it, putting his arms up. You know, it was, it would have been great. But, you know, you also get this, these sound, decisive fights. You can hear everything. I love that you can hear the corners. I mean. Oh, it's deep. It, it, and you hear great. the hits. You hear the hits like you never heard before. Oh, yeah. Like, um, oh, man, what was that fight? I mean, Reyes had, looked like he got hit with an axe yeah. on his side, yo. Yeah, yeah. Was, and it was from two kicks. One, hit him, showed up, and then. One more, same exact spot. Like he had a magnet going right to that spot, and it it just got worse and worse. I'm I'm surprised it didn't do more damage to him. He he kept a good poker face for that. Which oh, I'm but, surprised. but real quick, sorry to jump back because I wanted to ask since we talked about Colby and what the reason we didn't dive deeper into. Colby Woodley just for that, like we did on this pay per view, is because that's how handedly Colby beat Tyron Woodley. Like it, it, oh, it yeah. we, we yeah. you know. I, I'm a Woodley fan, and and there's no other way to describe it other than he got his ass kicked. And a lot of people think it's over for Woodley. He just doesn't have that same – he's past that prime. He doesn't have that same fire, yada, yada, yada. I joked with you about maybe all he needs to do is go to Bellator. Like, 
Over there, they got Michael Venom Page in the welterweight division. There's a couple other dudes. It's not as deep of a welterweight division. It's not as deep of a company as UFC, but that's to be expected in the way the sport works. I think he could go to uh, somewhere else and kind of have a career resurgence or have a kind of a, a another run or a second breath. What do you think? Where, do, where does Tyrone Woodley go now? So, um, that's it's it's weird. It's weird um, because I do get what you're saying. I you hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, he's, he's it's over." That same same thing we we're saying about Diego, right? That there might be a shell of themselves. They got to re- really look at it. But I forget who I was listening to. I, I got to get the credit where it's due. I think it. I, I think it was Ariel with either Chael, I think Chael Sun was saying it, I can't, I can't exactly remember, but I, I pulled it up so we can reference it, when you look at Teron Woodley's last fights, he's, he's fighting some monsters, it's not, so I think what they need to do with Woodley first is kind of push him down, let him fight, maybe not some young hungry lines, but you know, some guys that are trying to figure out their career, maybe they've lost a couple bouts and they only have a couple fights left on their, on their contract, they, they get a legend name, that's not legend status anymore, really, because it's not putting away guys like he used to. And maybe feed him those type of guys, because, look, I'll, I'll read them down for you. We're talking the last losses. He has three losses in a row, right? Colby Covington, broken rib, right? That's why it ended. Gilbert Burns, who's about to fight Kamar Usman, lost to Gilbert Burns in a decision. Before that, lost to Kamar, right, for the belt. Before that, it was Darren Till. He beat Darren Till. Before that, he beat Damian Maya and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson when he was champ. Right? He was he was killing it. So the last three people he's fought are the top three fighters in in the division. So I think before we go, I do like the Bellator idea, but I think before or looking at just any other promotion, before we go there, I think we should take a good look. If I was matchmaking, right? If I was in that office with Dana. And I, I'm sitting there saying, all right, what's the next fight for uh, Woodley? I'm going to say, push him down the rankings a little bit. Let's see what he can do, see where he can go, and see if he can kind of get a wind under his belt, get his confidence up maybe. You know, boxing, they build fighters. UFC, they don't do that, right? It's, A, you're getting thrown to the wolves, good luck. Yeah. He might have to build his confidence a little bit. I guess, but, like, who who's he going to do that against when, when we got Nate Diaz sitting at 13 in welterweight, and that seems a little low for the... <laughs> For the run he's had, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're gonna I feed mean, him like that. That would be the fight because if you're at seven where Woodley is now, right, and you want to throw him down the rankings, I, I read off the rankings to you before. Who who's who's that pick me up fight? Anthony Pettis, Robbie Lawler, or Nate Diaz? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It won't even be the top fifteen. He's got to go down. That's yeah. a, that's what I. So so as a fighter, I don't know what how much fights are left on his contract. I'm just being a fan talking. Like in in Bellator. Where do you stack him up against the, their champ, Douglas Lima, for the welterweight division? He's 32-7 uh, rank. I just, I just pulled that up. Like, I, I'm a Michael Venom Page fan. That's why I said his name first. But yeah. even that fight, like, I don't know how that would go. It could be air quotes boring because Tyrone Woodley ain't beat for standing up and striking like that. But where does he go now? Because he looks done. He And it's sad to say it like that, but he just doesn't seem like he really wants it when he's in there. Yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. So, uh, with Lima, the, that's one of those guys that I get really cautious about talking about. Like, we, we can say, we all know it, 
UFC is the NFL of MMA, right? It's it's not the CFL. That's that's Bellator. It's not. It's the NFL of MMA. It's where you go if you want to prove yourself as an MMA fighter. It might be a little unfair, especially like we were talking about before. They we got the deep uh, Demetrius Johnsons over at one. Yeah, one's more one's a different conversation because we used to have WEC, and now one is kind of like the top league for the really really light guys. So, Correct. Exactly. What, so what you mean the the traditional weight classes? So I guess it would be up to lightweight or above lightweight. Actually, is the traditional UFC weight classes that we kind of all assume are the NFL in your uh, metaphor? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, with that being said. Douglas Lima is kind of falls in that group. I, I know you, you don't watch too much about him, but you do. Um, and uh, he's one of those guys, especially with that decisive win over MB, MVP. I mean, that was unbelievable. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was shocked. I was I was shocked. I'll tell you. But with with that being said, he's this guy. Douglas Lima is this guy that I think could have a good run at, in the UFC. I mean, you go back, you know, I think he would have a great run in the UFC, and um, so I would be a little afraid for uh, Woodley to go over there against him. He is, he is a very, very good fighter, and I think he's the best that they have at, at Bellator right now. I mean, he really is. So, and um, yeah, I think that would be a dangerous fight for him, but... It's something we can think about, definitely. I mean, you don't want him going over there and fighting for a title right away, right? That's the problem with uh, who the UFC just picked up. Um, damn, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, just picked him up from Bellator. Oh, you would know um, better than me. Yeah, I can't remember. But he's the back. It's causing a lot of disruption because he's the background fighter uh, in case someone drops out of the Gaethje-Habib uh, fight. He's going to go right into a title fight if one of them back out, which... I've never been a fan of it. Like, if we're going to say, that, if we're going to keep that analogy of, you know, that metaphor of um, the UFC being the NFL, you can't just throw a guy from another promotion right into a title fight. Yeah. Because then that goes, then, then you as the UFC being the corporate UFC guys, you're saying, oh, yeah, your promotion is just as even as ours. You can keep, one of your guys can go fight for the title. Yeah, and, and, and for a wrestling comparison, that's just like bringing over... Uh, a dude from a rival promotion and then just immediately putting him in the main event kind of saying none of our guys were as good as this guy as he was in our competitor which is fucking stupid and it's kind of exactly what happened when they traded DJ for Ben Askren they, they brought that guy and made him a big deal and, and his UFC highlight is getting knocked out in one second yep yep exactly as, if you couldn't tell we're big DJ fans because he's been killing it in one championship ever since so and that was two years ago already. Time flies. Oh, wow. Was it? Yeah, the trade happened, I just pulled it up, October 2018. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> two years. I mean, yeah, we were in September, so that's two years ago. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, just, to, just to make sure we, we got under. It's Michael Chandler I'm talking about. He, uh, he ended up coming over from Bellator. He had his last fight uh, in Bellator against uh, Hendo, uh, Benson Henderson. He won that fight, and he wanted to test free agency, and now he signed with uh, the UFC. So that's a guy that's we can make that comparison again to see what he does in the career of going from Bellator to uh, the UFC. All right. So, yeah. So to wrap this up, 
Um, what, what do you think we should keep our eyes on going forward in the wake of UFC 253? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, talking about from the fighters from UFC 253, just to keep on track with that, we won't take away from those guys anymore. Um, the guys you want to look for, like I said at the beginning, Jake Matthews, I think he's going to be a rising star. He's going to look really good. Um, William Knight surprised me. That's one we didn't talk about that much. I kind of said, you know, big-ass guys, Jack. Surprised me. So you might want to keep an eye on him just to see what he did. He he won his uh, Dana White Contender Series. He was in and out of it, kind of. I think he won two of them. And uh, now officially signed with the UFC. So that's something you want to look out for, uh, for sure. And um, I think really, other than that, we're just going to be, we're going to be looking out for what these these two champions are going to do moving forward. We're going to be really excited for it. And, um, and on top of it, just to talk about the, the women's fight, because we didn't really get into it too much again, Sajara Eubanks versus Caitlin Vieira. Caitlin, I'm pretty sure, was the only person that gave a loss to Amanda Nunez early, 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 I, I think. Um, and she's trying to make, I think, a run to get back to Amanda. In my eyes, Amanda has developed so far that you don't want to do that. But, We'll see. So that's that's kind of all I got for 253. we got a good fight coming up next week. I can't remember the whole card, but I'm pretty sure it's the Holly Holm. Ah, oh, damn. I should know this. Irene Aldana. Irene Aldana. Thank you. Yeah, so that's, that's the next card coming up. Spoiler for obviously who you think is going to win. <laughs> huh? I said spoiler for obviously who you think is going to win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, I love how if we, to go on a little tangent, if, if you want to talk about women's fighters... It goes in order for me right now. It's, it's sad to say, but it's the champs. Amanda Nunez, 135-145. you got the 125 at Valentina Shevchenko. Zhang Weili I love, but she's still kind of new. I want to see her keep doing her thing. And then for me, it's Holly Holm. I mean, it's, those are the three girls. They're, uh, they're... Next week's card is Holly yeah. Holm versus Aldana. you got Jermaine uh, Durandamy versus Juliana Pena. And those, okay. are, those are like the two... And, that, and those are like the names that kind of stick out to me just briefly. You you said look out for these fighters, the one you know the ones that are up and coming. What I want just to put in people's minds is let's see how Paulo Costa responds to his first L. Yes, yes, I didn't I didn't even think about saying the, that. You are completely correct because fighters take two do two things. They either plateau and they are who they are, or and or. They take that next step and they just switch to boxing for what, what I mean is when Canelo lost to Mayweather, people, some people thought he got, air quotes, exposed. He didn't get exposed. Ever since that Mayweather loss, he's turned into an absolute monster. So what I'm saying for Costa is he could have gotten exposed or he could have he could learn from this and become the tank that he was before and a way more dangerous one at that. So, yep, yep, uh, yep, but yeah, I'll 100% back that. I, I agree with you. We got to see how he responds to this. I mean, he, he, what was it, six fights or something like that? He, six and oh, nine and oh, something like that? His, I, his, I his total, and I'm not looking, so forgive me, but I think he's 13 and one now. He was 13 and oh going into that fight. That's what it was. Yep, 13 and oh going into the fight. Um, yeah, six, I think, with the UFC. So, beast. Dude, That's a beast record. That's a ridiculously on, beast yeah. record. Come on, he, he, he's still young, too. Um, he's just got to learn. If he can learn from this, come back, 
And I, I 100% can see if he comes back and keeps winning decisively again, and as he gets through the guys he wants to get through, there's a rematch there. There's a rematch there. I mean, it was very decisive, so I don't like throwing around rematch. Like, oh, rematch this, rematch that. Especially with the UFC, they never, they kind of, kind of avoid them for years and years until it's, it's time for the rematch. Um, but I can see if if Izzy runs through the division, there's no one left, and Costa runs through the division a second time, he gets back up to number or stays at number one. He's got a good reasoning to try it again. He he can come back and learn and be better, or like you said, just kind of fall apart at the seams and not know what to do with himself. But I think I think he'll rebound well and just and learn from his mistakes. So yeah, man. So this was this was fun. We, we're gonna keep doing this because we do this anyway. We just decided to record it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess we're this is the dope MMA pod or dope fight pod. I don't know. Brett asked me what yeah, I was going to name this. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. We can we can get a let us know going on kind of. Um, we're now on iTunes and Spotify, so we're moving on up in the world. And yeah, we're going to keep talking MMA. We're probably going to talk more boxing. You know, once the sport continues, because so many people are holding out because of COVID and they want their paydays. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, man. But me and you, <laughs> let us know because our first original idea for this, uh, the pilot pod for Dope Pods, and I'm still recording. <laughs> I don't mean my cousin talk all the time like this, so I want to clarify the pod's still going on. Um, we, our first idea was just to get uh, like a get for you guys to get to know us, talk about our top five favorite fighters, our top five favorite fights, our history, yada yada yada. And we kind of did that with the light heavyweight background today, but. You know, let us know whatever subjects you want to talk about because there's so much going on in MMA. We got plenty to go moving forward. But me and Tim both love the history of this sport, and I and you know that's always a good conversation. So thank everybody that took the time out of their day to listen to me and my cousin talk about fights, and we hope you enjoyed it. We, we we're gonna keep going forward. Uh, Tim, let them know on your socials if you got any where they could find you. Oh, yeah, you can uh, mostly just at uh, Instagram, uh, T-Owens1105, just like my name if you know me, but if not, it's T-O-W-E-N-S-1105. At Instagram, uh, Twitter actually too, but I never use it. I might get back on it, Um, but everything's pretty much at T-Owens1105. You can find me there. And you can find all of us at the Dope Blog on Twitter, at the underscore Dope Blog on IG, and at the Dope Blog and Podcast on Facebook. And obviously on iTunes, we're the Dope Blog now. So, peace. See ya. Bigger than your average. Uh.